Gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Cranked and Ranked, the podcast where Eddie, who is not frozen, I'm not um, frozen, and I'm I, just good at that. <laughs> <laughs> um, rank band discographies and, as you've seen recently with uh, you know a couple episodes, um, some different stuff, a lot of music talk, sometimes mm-hmm. random tangents that make no sense whatsoever. But it seems like a lot of our listeners slash viewers love that. Um, but today we're back with another band discography, um, and this is this is very exciting for me in a lot of ways. Um, so, but before we get there, introductions, old head, as usual, your your host, and with me as always, Mister Eddie Sparks. That's me. I am on this show. Yes, that's true. <laughs> you are you are one half of the combination that makes up this this. Uh, Whatever, <laughs> whatever it is, um, it's uh, it's always funny whenever we take whenever we take a week off. It's only one week, but I still feel like God, I haven't done this in forever. But it's mm. really just been two weeks. Um, anyway, so um, this is a very interesting episode, and I'm very excited about this because we're going to be ranking the discography of the band Fugazi, which is exciting for me. Number one, because they're one of my favorite bands ever and it's also very exciting for me because this is the first episode i think we've ever done where eddie was completely fresh with this band like had you now that you're not that you've listened to them all had you heard anything prior to this that you I remember maybe heard merchandise oh okay. aside, aside from that you know i'm surprised um, it wasn't waiting room but okay yeah, yeah yeah waiting room as well also felt quite familiar but like I'm gonna I'm gonna say this as a disclaimer now to any okay. you know you know alt rockers and punks that are way more experienced in this. <laughs> I came into this as you know more of the uh, more on the metal end of the heavy rock spectrum. So you know, yeah, this is a zone that I enjoy, but I know far less about. So. And to be fair, as a show, we've never done a band like this. No, we've done we've done metal and glam and punk and hip hop and grunge, but this grunge, but this which would be which would fall more on like a, the post hardcore side of things. We've never done a band like this, and so as a as a show, it's it's a little bit you know on the fringe too because yeah. we're you know we're we're dudes. Both of our favorite bands is Metallica, which. Yeah. I, I I'm pretty sure most people who are really into Fugazi are not also into Metallica, which is why I'm very weird um, because I Same. love both of these bands. Um, but yeah, so this is just, this is going to be fascinating because we've not only have, have we never done this, you and I have never spoken. I don't about music like this or about Fugazi. We yeah. didn't have any, sometimes before episodes, we do a little bit of messaging back and forth about stuff, but there was nothing this time. So I have no idea what you're going to say about stuff or where this is going to go. And so this is just the most fascinating episode for me. Um, 
And you don't really need to give too much of a disclaimer because I have a weird feeling this is going to be one of those ones that gets like 300 views on <laughs> on YouTube <laughs> because it seems like certain bands that I'm all like, oh, this is I'm so excited to talk about this. And then people out there just like, ah, whatever. <laughs> so, um, but uh, I, I, I am very excited. Um, but if there are Fugazi fans who are joining this, um, hi. And uh, I, you know, I, I guess you could probably also say Fugazi falls into that camp of the bands where some people who are really into Fugazi are also um, complete jerk offs <laughs> <laughs> um, because they do attract, you know, they attract that, that kind of crowd, the sort of uppity um, music fans hmm. and um when i say uppity i mean like um the the kind of people that i can't hip, wait hip, to get you to their hipster types hipster types that yeah can't, can't wait to get you to their apartment because they have um some original tom waits albums and not to mention a small jazz collection um and so it's <laughs> which is not me and so you know that's you just like pissed off half the people watching <laughs> this and we haven't even started <laughs> um i don't mean to, to bag on to on top see that's another thing like our artists that i bag on sometimes like tom waits is a big one leonard cohen these are all people that as a as musicians in their bodies of work i look at it and go it's pretty impressive but the people that listen to them most of the time i'm like get the fuck away from me you are obnoxious <laughs> Yeah. And some people like that listen to Fugazi. Some people would say that I'm obnoxious, but, you know, in a very different way. Um, but, yeah, so so normally we do this thing where we're like, well, where where were you introduced to Fugazi? Yours would be right this. fucking now. Yeah. <laughs> mine, um, mine's, a, mine's an interesting one because it's a, little, it's a little bit later than all the other stories that I tell. Because this one was uh, in high school. So in the mid nineties hmm. and um, I had a friend who was into Fugazi and I heard random songs and it didn't connect with me. Um, hmm. I, I was into minor threat. So when it came to like Ian McKay, I was like, Oh, I like minor threat Fugazi. I'm not quite there yet. Um, a couple years later, I, this, I guess this would have been in 96 or something like that. Um, it, the, the, my time would finally come um, I was working at Best Buy in the music department and, um, we had a really big, uh, back room area with boxes of CDs that had to go out and just random other shit, merchant merchandise and, uh, uh, end cap stuff. You work at a grocery store, so you know what an end cap is, I'm sure. Um, and then, you know, standees, all that stuff. It was just a big room of crap. And occasionally, you know, at it, it, it certain times of the day, people would wheel in this entire cart of like shit that had been returned. Hmm. Um, and we and we dealt with CDs, VHS at that point and um, uh, some computer software. Uh, this is back when like there was like, you know, um, TurboTax was like, had just come out and everyone's <laughs> like, oh, my God. Um, anyway, so we're there there one day and they wheel back these this group of returns and one of the returns is the Fugazi album in on the kill taker, uh, mm. a, I believe it was a cassette of it and it was opened and we had a little jam box back there. And I was just like, all right, maybe it's, I'm gonna throw this in again. Um, and the, uh, it starts playing. I'm back there by myself gathering whatever I'm needing to gather for that part of the day. And that starts to play. And the first song facet squared comes on. And literally changed my life at that moment. 
Um, I'll get into that a little bit more when I talk about that album, but that song and that album and that moment was really big for me. And that was my introduction to Fugazi. And ever since then, you know, 96, 97, I have been a huge fan of everything that um, they put out. And so, um, so that's why it's so interesting for you, newbie, not only 20 years <laughs> younger than me, but also you know, a, a newbie to this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, and so did you know, did you read up on them at all? Do you know, did you know Ian McKay was in minor threat and then started Fugazi? Yeah, I, d- I did a little, little bit of a deep, you know, I did a little bit of research, nothing like crazy deep, but yeah. you know, you know, Ian McKay, uh, Guy Pitch. Picciotto, Picotto, what is it? It's, it's Guy Picciotto. Ah, Guy Picciotto. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool names. Um, and, Joe, yeah. and Joe Lally on bass and uh, on bass. Uh, Brendan Canty on drums. They've had a pretty, their lineup's been pretty consistent from the start, hasn't it? It was right it, the way through. That's it. Yeah. Just those four dudes. The only difference was that the last album and the last tour, they added an additional drummer on right. some stuff. Cool. Um, but that's that's been it. So, I'll, but I'll interject things along the way just because they're they're a band that like I know a lot about because I've yeah. just been obsessed with them this for is, years. This, this is like a inverted alternate universe version of the Toto episodes we did because yeah, you went in completely dark and I knew everything. It is yeah, it's kind of, it's fun yeah. when this happens because it's like uh, yeah, it, you it know, is. It's you know almost like a. I'm taking a master class and you know, you're the guy I gave 50 bucks. <laughs> that is, but you know, it's so funny. That's always been a dream of mine to be able to become a teacher where I just teach bands to yeah. people today. We're going to do this. Um, and, uh, and un- unfortunately my daughter hasn't gotten to that point yet. Like she likes a lot of music, but she hasn't gotten to the point where she's really receptive to me just rambling on about stuff. Yeah. Um, but if it ever happens, I'm going to be like, Oh, let's talk today. Let me get out of a blackboard. <laughs> let's talk about Fugazi. Um, which, which we're going to do. So, um, we we're ranking, um, if you're watching the video, if you look behind me, I've got all the albums and then the first Fugazi EP, I don't have margin Walker, but the first EP and margin Walker were put together and are on the release. That's called 13 songs, um, which that's an album length and it's very important to their discography. So our ranking is including the six actual full length albums and 13 songs. So we've have seven albums to rank. Mm-hmm. And I apologize in advance for this. Probably will be one of those episodes where you'll say the name of a song and I will bust into some part of it. Probably <laughs> <laughs> that's going to happen at least a few times. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to get into this. So let's just go ahead and do it. Um, and, and as usual, I throw it over to Eddie Sparks. Um, this is this. I'm so excited about this um, <laughs> to start us off with his number seven Fugazi album. Cool. So. My number seven Fugazi album is End Hits from 1998. All right. Okay. Jumping right in. Break. It's kind of a, you know, punky intro song with some, you know, Nine Inch Nails-esque piano and clean guitar bits in there. Um, Place Position is this real driving rocker. Um, Recap, Madoti is this groovy bass vibe, a lot of really cool bass lines in Fugazi. Like that yeah, Joe, Joe Lally is one of my favorite bass players. He yeah. is like, he has those bass lines that you can get stuck in your head, just the bass line part of a song. Yeah. yeah. And it, it really struck me with, you know, how 
you know, obviously there is that big hardcore punk element to their sound. Yeah. But it really struck me that, you know, the rhythm section is so melodic, you know? That's a really interesting well, thing. It's because when they started, I think Ian's vision was to bring that, the punky vibe and mix it with kind of reggae or something like that, where there's a real groove based um, element underneath it all. Yeah. And so that's what led to their sound. You get no surprise, like that guitar melody in the latter half of the song borders on psychedelic, really cool stuff. Yeah. And see, this is, this is my bottom pick and it's still really cool, but like, yeah, I feel like of all their releases, this is the most disjointed of Mm -hmm. like you know all of the tracks on here they feel a little bit like they're all like kind of pieces that maybe aren't as cohesive as certain other albums they have but um five corporations the tambourine was a nice touch i'm always that that. this one's ours (laughs) let's take another this one's ours let's take another i love i love that part of the song so so great hell yeah um caustic acrostic one of their shorter, faster, pounding songs. There's always a couple of those on a on a Fugazi album. Mm-hmm. Uh, closed captioned has an almost reggae feel to it. You know that's yeah. a that's a very you know like you say groove based. Uh, Floating boy is this psyched out vibey jam. Foreman's dog is this mid tempo spooky punker. Uh, arpeggiator. It's an instrumental that does what it says on the tin. There's a lot of really cool arpeggiated stuff going on in it, you know? Well, the thing I love about that song is it's literally just taking a guitar in standard tuning, totally removing this hand from it, and just strumming the string. It's literally the whole thing is just a standard tuning up and down the strings. And every time, the first time I heard that, I was like, is that really, did they really write a whole song where they don't have to use this hand? (laughs) It's just the right hand. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Like stuff like that. They're a very creative band. And that struck me right out of the get go. Um, Guilford Fall. Sneaky yet loud at points, you know, it's they have this cool way of of really using dynamics in the songs. Uh mm-hmm. Pink Frosty, really weird and experimental song. Gives me kind of disco volante era bungle vibes. Um yeah. and then, you know, F slash lowercase D. Uh, there's a load of like fake out endings on this one. And I like I guess they kept going till they got what they wanted, but like I know that this is a band that likely wanted to troll the listener a little bit. So, mm-hmm. you know, there there is that element of, oh, oh are we done? <laughs> oh, oh, no, there's another one. Is that it? Oh, there's 30, 30 seconds left. Ah, they got three more. Nice. But yeah, <laughs> like the, this album to me, it feels the most disjointed of the bunch. It gets points for, you know, weirdness and being way out there. But I feel like this was executed a little bit more cohesively on Red Medicine, which is the album that came before it. Yeah. So um, you're you're not wrong on any of those things. That's also my number seven. Okay. And it's from 1998. Probably the most difficult of their albums to get into um, for mm. me. Um, there 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 wasn't. Uh, so this would have been their sixth, well, fifth album, but sixth if you count thirteen songs. Um, but it, it is their most experimental and it's the most it's the it's 
they expand their sound the most on this album. Yeah. Um, but it is one of those things where the there weren't that many on my initial listen. I remember there not being that many moments where, oh, that's cool. It was kind of like, uh, I, I, maybe I'm not ready for this one yet. And that's that's essentially what it was. Um, that's how it gave came it, off to me. Yeah. I gave it a few years and the, the strengths started to reveal themselves. And um, there's a there's a documentary that they put out called Instrument, and you hmm. see some footage of them recording some of the songs on this album on there, and um, that 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 actually sort of makes me appreciate the album more because <laughs> you listen to it and you kind of get the idea that these guys are just having a really great time in the studio. Yeah. So it's a it is a lot of experimenting and not so much worrying about you know, tying things up nicely in songs and making sure the album has a, has a flow that makes some sort of sense. It's just kind of, it seems like it's an album that kind of became what it was just a bunch, you know, four dudes in the studio. And then this is what happened. Um, it does, um, lack some of the energy of, of the previous albums. Hmm. Um, and so that's another reason why it's last for me because it is, it does have a lot of strengths. I mean, there's no, I I've come to the to the conclusion that Fugazi is one of those um, bands that for me there is no album that I would call non-essential. I feel mm. like if you get into Fugazi, every single album is important to the story of that band and where they went, and um, and In Hits is is no exception. I just think that it's it is their exper- experimental and just kind of not giving a fuck and just you know letting the chips fall where they may, as they say. Um, but um, yeah, it's a, it's not it's not a it's it it's their their least enjoyable album for me if that has to, if that's a thing. Um, I, yeah. it's my it's my la- my last go to Fugazi album. Although there are a, a handful of songs that I absolutely love, um, um, and but and overall it's a great album. But yeah, um, they they did so many better albums than this that it's just hard. It's hard to put anything last. Um, hmm. honestly, like there are a few places in my, in my ranking that it was really tough for me to like, Oh, this has got to go here. Well, and, and so I had to throw up my hands and just say, all right, well, this, this is the, the ranking is what it is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, it, end hits is, uh, it's a great album, but yeah, it is, it, it's, it's a little bit more of a challenging listen than the rest of their stuff. Although I think some people would probably argue that all of their stuff is a challenging listen, but that's, you know, this depends on your taste, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, moving on to the number six Fugazi album. Cool. So my number six Fugazi album is Red Medicine from 1995. Okay. Uh, this one takes the experimentation to its extremes, you know, mm-hmm. perhaps not as wildly as as end hits, but it mm. definitely is a big step from, you know, being you know layering guitars creatively to really going out into really arty stuff. You know, there's yeah. some there's some instrumentals on here that I think, wow. Can I buy some pot from you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's in all seriousness though, like this one for me, I feel like it's gonna be a bit of a grower because generally speaking, I find that that's usually the case with albums from nineteen ninety-five. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. um 
I'm going to jump into the tracks. Uh, so okay. you get Do You Like Me? The intro sounds like somewhat... The intro sounds like Trent Reznor and Les Claypool made a song together. <laughs> like, like it, but you know, then it goes into like more of a you know Fugazi type vibe. But yeah. um, Bev for the scraping, real fun guitar lines in that song. Latest. That that fucking one two of "Do You Like Me" into into Bev for the scraping is just that's that's fucking great. Mm. Um, latest disgrace is also pretty damn rocking. Um, mm. Birthday pony. They're getting real yeah. arty with us on this album, <laughs> like uh, forensic. Yeah, scene. my oh, my uh, my uh, I, this this is like a secondhand story, but it's just like you know it gives an, an an insight into like their live shows. Um, my friend that was really into Fugazi went to go see them on the Red Medicine tour. I, I didn't go because I wasn't in them at that point, but he came back and was like raving about how amazing they were, and he's like he's like there was this one part. Because the way the birthday pony plays out, it's got like the verse, and the, I guess you could call it a chorus, but it's just him going "laugh, boy," <laughs> you know, over it. But then it gets to a point where it 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 bottoms out, and it's just some feedback. But apparently, there was like a fight in the crowd, and it's a really it's a big no no to get chaotic at a Fugazi show. I don't know if you know that about them, but hmm. if it if a pit breaks out where it looks like people are just doing that shit where they're turning around and pun- pushing each other and shit. Ian stops the fucking show and he says, people didn't pay to come and watch you guys fuck around with each other. Hmm. You know, and so, and, and you know, people will usually just cut the shit because Ian says, don't do it and you don't do it. It's okay to like bounce around and like, you know, that jostling around kind of crowd energy. Yeah. But once it gets like just violent and stupid, which which I've always loved about them because that's one thing that's all that's kept me from going to so many shows over the years mm. is I just hate dealing with idiots that just want to mosh. I've never understood yeah. the mentality of go, paying to see a show, but the majority of the time you're staring at other dudes and probably not even listening to the actual music. Hmm. Whereas I want to watch what they're playing. Sure, I don't mind moving. And, and I don't want everyone just to stand there looking at their phones or with their arms crossed or whatever. But I just think that the the idea of the mosh pit has become ridiculously stupid over the years, especially at hardcore shows. Mm. Um, so anyway, stuff like that will happen and Ian will stop the show. And if somebody's causing like a huge problem, the 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 uh, the rumor, I mean, I don't know if it's a rumor, if it was actually true, is that they would kick people out of the show and as they would leave, they would hand them an envelope with the money they paid to get into the show. They had envelopes of money ready to go. Wow. So when they kicked somebody out, they just said, here's your money back. And they kicked them out of the show. Hmm. Um, anyway, because that was their whole thing. Like, the, like yeah. their whole, they were, they never charged. I, I saw them in 2001, and I think I paid $7.50. Yeah, they never them. charged much, did they? You know, they never, were f- never over, never over $10. Um they never made any merch. The hmm. the number one way to determine if you that somebody isn't actually a Fugazi fan, if you ever see anybody wearing the "This is not a Fugazi" t shirt shirt, immediately you can walk up to them and say, "You clearly are not a fan of Fugazi," <laughs> because that is not their shirt. I get that it's funny, but hmm. but it's like us like us big Fugazi fans. We're not buying that shirt. And we're just like, no, they didn't make any merch. They were against making merch. They were against charging 
high prices for their shit. Hmm. And I respect them for that. Anyway, back to my friend's story. The fight breaks out. Ian stops the song right at that part in Birthday Pony. And then he's just like, everybody cool the shit. Stop this shit. And then he just kind of looks into the crowd and he's like, this is a birthday pony. And then the song like <laughs> comes back in nice. at that part. And I just, just the hearing the story of my friend telling them, I'm like, that had to have been fucking rad. Yeah. <laughs> just the song building up for that little end part. And I'm just like, that's just, uh, that's just fucking great. Anyway. Wow. I feel like I, I, I derailed us to cover all these things about, about Fugazi. Nah, nah, the, the listeners love that shit. Let's, let's keep, let's keep that vibe going, man. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Birthday pony is a great song. Yeah, man. Forensic scene has a has a laid back vibe going on. See, that's the yeah. thing that they are. I wouldn't necessarily say they write heavy songs. They write, you know, kind of gnarly, you know, hard rocking songs. But you know, they, they don't really go into like helmet territory, for example. Like, not no. It's yeah. aggressive, but it's not necessarily metallic in any way. Yeah, it's it, it's you know, it's much more on the punk ethos of being loud and aggressive than the metal one but um yeah it really i was really pleasantly surprised with their ability to have like laid back songs you know Mm. and some of those moments are some of my favorites really um yeah combination lock has a real fun feel to it fell destroyed is a cool moody one by you there's a lot of stuff going on here on this album that appears in the likes of mid nineties Pearl Jam. And this is where I kind of like, this is where I kind of like began to feel some like familiarities with other bands. And I started, you know, even, even on something like 13 songs, for example, mm-hmm. if they had come out of Seattle, that would be a grunge classic, you know, cause there's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff on there that reminds me of, you know, some of the earlier punkier Soundgarden stuff, a little bit of mud honey, uh, yeah. some green river maybe but you know I was, I was really pleasantly surprised um that i found so much to latch on to you know i was like oh so that band were probably listening to this era of you know fugazi um yeah version is that clarinet in this song like that's been yeah. like heavily affected i was gonna say i, I did hear it's either about that or a, sa- or a saxophone or something i don't remember exactly what it is but yeah something like yeah that that's really cool um target has some cool riffs in it back to base is short and sweet down city some furious punkage going on uh long distance runner is a really cool laid back closer again Mm -hmm. like i say like this takes the experimentation to extremes Mm -hmm. more so than ever before like this is their fifth album i just feel like um in on the kill taker that's the um yeah in on the kill taker wanted 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 to make sure i got the album title right um yeah i feel like they kind of peaked with their creativity and layering things there i feel like this one is like okay we've proven we can do that let's really blow things way over the you know over the top of what we thought we could do before and i I respect that and it could climb my list going on as a result but as of right now it strikes me as the sort of album that i'll rank low now but it'll climb maybe at least one spot 
down the line, you know? Yeah. No, with, it's, it definitely benefits from repeat listens because it's got mm-hmm. a lot of really cool moments and songs. Um, not my number six. Okay. Um, for, 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 some, for some of the OGs, this may be controversial. I don't know. Uh, my number six is 13 songs ah. from 1989. So uh, this is the first two EPs, Fugazi and Margin Walker. Um, so that, so this gets a lot of credit because it's like an absolute classic and it's very influential, like out of, you know, and it's the one that I think most people know songs from. Um, Mm. in fact, it's gotten to that point with Fugazi, especially where, you you know, how there's, there's that, there's that really awful trend of somebody wears a shirt. And then you say name three songs to them because you're a jerk off. Mm-hmm. I have to admit, if somebody comes to me and says, oh, I like Fugazi. And I'll be like, cool, name me a song that isn't Waiting Room. <laughs> and, um, because then I know. Like, if, you go, if you can go any further than that, then I'm like, cool. Um, but you know, you know what? Now we're on the subject of that. We, have we ever really talked about the name three songs phenomenon that's been going on? In this think, in this world, and this I guess it's I don't know if it's over on your side of the world too, but it's a U, in the U.S. for sure. Yeah, that there have been you know there have been several times where I've hung out with you know uh, one of my girlfriends' friends, and you know I've I've seen a girl who has like you know no knowledge of Pink Floyd wearing a Pink Floyd shirt. Yeah, and. You know, I know deep down, I'm like, I know that you bought that from Primark, and I know you don't even know the name of the band on that shirt. I'm not <laughs> gonna, I'm not gonna put myself in the position of being that guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm already thinking like that guy, but as far as I'm concerned, the band is essentially getting a free promotion from you know, an unwitting <laughs> billboard, so to speak, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like, you, there's all these people walking around and, you know, obviously there are like certain bands that it's much more common to see them on a shirt. Like, um, you know, Guns N' Roses, for example, is a very common shirt yeah. for people to wear. And m- most people who wear it know Sweet Child of Mine and maybe Paradise City, you know, but you know it's it's because you get like these certain certain bands always appear in like I mean like say for example we have Asda over here, which is essentially I think they are basically the UK's equi- UK's equivalent to Walmart. Like okay, they I think they're partnered. I don't know if they still are, but I know at one point they were. But um, I always, I don't want it to sound like kind of insulting to these big bands, but I kind of refer to them as like, you know, Walmart merch bands, you know, where it's like, you know, of course, Queen have shirts at X Superstore, you know? Yeah, but it's it's well. I mean, at this point, if you're talking about stores like Walmart, Walmart has now over here been doing like exclusive vinyl versions of bands that I love, and so I can't argue with that. If you want to get into into business practices and stuff like that, that's a totally different story. And and both of us are not knowledgeable enough to really yeah um, talk about that kind of thing. (laughs) Um, Yeah, 
but uh but yeah i there are those bands that you know you know that their shit's probably in a walmart so mm. um, and where where i was heading with this is like you know there is this thing of you really do take a, a massive risk of coming off like a complete dick in in actual fact it is guaranteed you're going to look like an asshole regardless because you know say going back to girlfriend's friend mm-hmm. that's only going to put her in a shit mood it's only going to put it's only going to make her friends think i'm uh look at this elitist fuck no yeah. wonder you know yeah. no wonder this guy doesn't you know have any friends right um yeah obviously that's not entirely true for me because I, I, mm-hmm. I don't behave like an asshole but uh, well, I'd, I'd like to think I don't but <laughs> when it boils down to it what if you do say to you know said person wearing a shirt and they fucking school your ass with some knowledge of um, oh well I actually prefer the demo version of that song uh it's, it's on a B-side to this hour, and then you're going to look like a fucking moron. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah I, 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 I'm, I'm with you. I, I honestly, over, over the, you know, the past year or so, and it's been many years that it's been happening, but it's gotten to the point now where there are, like, legit TikTokers that that's all they do hmm. is walk up to people wearing shirts and ask them if they know the songs. And I thought about it a lot because it annoys me because mm. I, I because I've done it plenty of times. I remember like years ago I was at work and there was a girl at work wearing a Slayer shirt. And I was like, oh, nice shirt. And she's like, oh, it's my dad's shirt. And I was like, oh, OK, I was I was disappointed because yeah. I was disappointed because like I, I was like, oh, let's talk Slayer. But I was like, oh, all right. Well, then never mind. So I there was a, a disappointment there, but I yeah. I just walked away from it. I'm not going to be like, why the fuck you wearing it then? I would never yeah. do that. It's one of those situations where you're like, oh, okay, have a nice day, right? Because like, I, I remember I was at a house party once, and I saw a guy in a vintage white uh, white snake shirt from, you know, Donington 1990, and I thought it was the coolest fucking shirt I'd, I'd ever seen. I almost pulled a slash and traded my fucking car for this shirt because I was yeah. just there like, that thing's badass, dude. I went over to him. I started talking to him, and he was like, uh, "Like you said, uh, it's just one of my dad's shirts. I thought it looked cool." And I was like, "You know what? I'm gonna show you a White Snake song right now that's fucking killer." I showed him Judgment Day, and he was like, "This is actually really good," <laughs> you know. And, and you know, I hope that he at least came away from that interaction. You know, with a new band to check out, rather than yeah, yeah. rather than be put down and put off associating with those fans. You yes, know, yes, yes. The only thing you are going to do if you, you know, verbally assault someone for wearing a band shirt that they don't know, you're only going to put them off more. Would you rather recruit another fan? Or be an asshole and ruin any chances of that person enjoying good music. 
I think what we've learned recently is that people don't want to recruit more fans. <laughs> yeah, like there, um, there's a there's a big thing as well of like you know gatekeeping has really gatekeeping. come into with the Stranger Things thing. Well, the, the thing I, the thing that's the thing that I've learned about that is that the people that do the gatekeeping type stuff they're usually people that don't actually know much about the bands anyway. They just have decided that this is the band that they're going to choose to like defend somehow, but. Mm. The the weird thing that I've run into is that I find myself on the side of like, well, it's stupid to do that kind of shit, but there's a thing that's been going on, and I don't know how long it's been going on, but it's definitely happening now, where I, I can understand fans being upset and annoyed. And that's not some random person who's mm. just happens to be wearing a Pink Floyd shirt or a Metallica shirt or whatever. There's this thing happening now where metal especially punk rock is, is 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 in this too has been co-opted into cosplay and so mm. the girl that's wearing the metallica stuff with the with the vest and you know wristbands and all that shit and you're just like the oh Eddie, she Eddie must Munson. be into metal yeah. yeah yesterday she was fucking pokemon so it's like <laughs> yeah so that annoys me because I'm hmm. like, it's one thing if you you just thought a shirt was cool and you're wearing it, but if literally you're taking this music that I love and you're just taking it as oh I'm this I'm just playing this character today, yeah, I'm like well then you can go fuck yourself, but <laughs> but just wearing a shirt if you don't know it and you just thought it was a cool shirt or Sweet Child of Mine's a great song so I saw there was a Guns N' Roses shirt for only five dollars so I bought it great why not. Yeah, yeah. I'm, to I'm totally fine with that. But yeah, the side of the things where it's just today I'm metal, tomorrow I will be somebody from some anime. That 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 to me, I'm just like nah. Um, that's when I I kind of get a little bit annoyed, and I know that that's wrong. Because to each their own. Who the fuck cares? Yeah. But still, I'm being honest with everybody. I tell you what, the closest thing I have ever felt to cultural appropriation. <laughs> and <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out. The closest thing I've ever felt to, you know, the likes of cultural appropriation, and I, and I want to handle this, you know, carefully, because, you know, I'm saying this in kind of a tongue-in-cheek way, uh -huh. right? Um, and that was when I I went to some sort of, I, I think it was the, come to think of it, I think it was like my high school prom, right? And all of the fucking um, people who you know, rallied around me and said, you know, oh, look at this, uh, you know, I, I don't want to, the, the, the bad F word for gay, you know, yep. I don't want to say it in case, it, in case this show gets yellowed. I got called that a lot for having long hair throughout yeah. my life, so yeah. S say, for example, you know, uh, you come guzzling F word, you know, for liking um, hair metal and stuff, right? Yeah. Who the exact same people and their girlfriends know all the words to Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. And when it came on, where were they? Round the fucking speakers, singing along to that song, right? Yeah. And I thought to myself, in that moment, I just had a little moment where I glared at them and I thought... How fucking dare you? 
you yeah. know, call me all these names for liking this era and knowing living on a prayer that inside out. And I just I just felt a little bit, you know, again, I'm a white man specifically <laughs> from Britain. Right? Yep. Right? You know, who is yeah, it's a, like the, the the only thing the only thing wider yeah. than me is if I was from England. <laughs> yeah. I I am I am the whitest of the white. We are a uh, and I, I don't mean that in a in a bad way, you know, but it's that thing of we conquered so much of the globe for the sole purpose of spices. Do we season our meat? No. <laughs> I I do. I do. Oh fuck, I do. I do too. Yeah, but it's 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 one of those things culturally where it's like I think to myself, we really like pillaged that much of the world and the only thing we really have to our name is a tikka masala it's it's just funny i, f- I find yeah. that very funny yeah well we that was a that was a nice detour right and talking about well i guess it, it makes sense because we were talking about a lot of bands that are nothing like fugazi but i guess fugazi is a is a band that people can be the people that are into it could be really passionate about yeah the music um, because it's very meaningful music. And so when somebody's mm-hmm. just taking it as um, a fashion statement, it gets really annoying. But anyway, back to 13 songs. Um, this is my number six because just based on the fact that I feel the band topped this many, many times over. Um, it's a very important album because it's the beginning of everything. It's re- it's very enjoyable. Um, hmm. There's a part of me that I I wish that I could I wish if if I could like time travel and kind of just go and maybe not even time travel just I want to go and be a fly on a wall um in you know the late 80s in the DC music scene cuz all the things that were going on not just in the punk and hardcore world there's a lot of music a lot of great music that was happening in DC and just you, you see some footage of early minor threat shows and or later minor threat shows and early fugazi shows and you just the energy is insane and i'm just like and and you know there was just this big scene and everyone was so excited about this music and so i could imagine being one of those people 13 song well you know when the fugazi ep comes out and it just fucking blowing your mind um because it's you know at this point i've heard it enough times where i'm like oh this is what this sounds like but it's really Mm pretty groundbreaking when you think about it Um, yeah and the thing that i like a lot about the the first ep part because it's two eps that make up 13 songs the fugazi ep the first one i just love how it sounds like a band that's stumbled upon something really unique and exciting and they're kind of just letting it burst out of them it it sounds like i I don't think I, i don't think they had any idea of where they could go as a band right off the gate or out of the gate. But I, I feel like there was an excitement of like, holy shit, like this is awesome. And then yeah. that's, that's how I feel now. It goes here at number six also, because I think margin Walker is not, is probably my least favorite Fugazi release margin Walker, which is the last four or five tracks on 13 mm. songs. Um, but the actual Fugazi EP, you have fucking songs like Give Me the Cure, which I absolutely love, and Suggestion. Suggestion is so good. 
Not to mention the you know waiting room is a fucking classic and and uh, and um, bad mouth. Um, bad, I th- bad mouth may have been the first Fugazi song I ever heard because I think my friend played me that in you know like '94 or something, and I was just like, all right, this is this is all right. <laughs> it didn't really do anything <laughs> for me. Um, but at the same time, the importance and the potency of this collection of songs. I could see this being somebody's favorite Fugazi album and I would not fault them for it at all. Um, but I just really think that overall, I just know where they, where they go from here and it's just so much better. So, um, 13 songs ends up being my number six. Cool. So let's get to uh, number five. Yeah. Cool. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's nice. good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, my number five is their last release from two thousand and one, "The Argument." Mm-hmm. Um, some of the band's most mellow material is on this one, but yeah, it, it also showcases uh, growth and maturity. You know, as well as their ability to write in a variety of styles within their own. So mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. This album gets my respect for that. Um, intro is, you know, it's a spooky, static interference intro. Yeah. Um, but then you get Cash Out. That bass and drum groove throughout is super tasty. Yeah. Full Disclosure is just gnarly, punky alt rock. Epic Problem has, oh. is an, yeah, yeah. up tempo, shouty punker. Life and Limb has a really cool laid back vibe. Love that song. Yeah. Uh, the Kill, considering the song title, a surprisingly chill, mellow track. Yeah. Um, uh, Strange Light. S- love the vibe here. O is a punky old oh. rocker. Mm. X Spectator is a really dynamic oh, song. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. loving it over there. You're really yeah. this up. <laughs> All these songs, there's so many fucking great songs. <laughs> Night night shop man it is an uneasy track that has a lot of left turns mm. uh and then finally closing out the argument you have argument which is you know it's kind of dreamy track that also has a lot of you know parts in it that really explode but and it's a pretty heavy subject matter i mean because you have to yeah. remember this album came out i believe the the month after 9-11 here yeah and I remember when it came out, going to the store and buying it and just thinking in my head that we need a Fugazi album right now. So thank God yeah. <laughs> that they put it out. But the argument is literally like the lyric, lyrically speaking, it's about everyone being so hung up on on minute arguments about bullshit when we should be yeah. paying attention to the fact that people are dying. We're causing people to die over in America, mm-hmm. you know, Um and, and I think it's got their most... This is also my number five. <laughs> the argument... <laughs> nice. The argument's, the argument's also my number five. I'll just jump in. Because I, I always like... Because I agree. Like, it's it's their most... To me, it's their most mature album. Um, arguably, their most well-crafted also. Um, even though, like, I like other ones better. This one overall is an album. It just it, it feels like a really... Like these dudes knew, know exactly what they're doing and they just fucking put together this perfect, you know, thing anyway. But I love the argument as a final song, especially 
because like you know after this album came out they went on tour and then they announced that they were on indefinite hiatus and they've never done anything since um yeah so and at this point i don't think that they will because there's been you know i i, I think a couple of the band members have mentioned that they've been offered like millions to get back together for like Coachella or Lollapalooza or whatever. And wow. they all just, they've all just moved on with their lives. And some of them, they, I, as far as I know, they all play music, but I think between wanting to play music and wanting to have time for their families, not everybody's lives work out anymore. You get older yeah. and you don't have fucking time to do that shit. And it just doesn't work out. Um, or if you're like, well, I've got a week here, let's pencil it in. So we have to make sure we do something this week. And that doesn't mean that good shit's going to come out of you that week. So that's just a lot of fucking pressure. So I get why they're not doing anything, but I always loved the, the argument because of a specific lyric that Ian sings because Ian very well known for starting the band minor threat which in turn started the straight edge movement because yeah. there's a minor threat song called straight edge. And then and eventually people caught on and it became a thing. You put X's on your hands. That means that you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't have promiscuous sex. Um, I guess, I think later on it became, I don't need meat. All these things kind of came into like straight edge. And, and so people always look at him as like that guy, like that the, mm. saying about these things, like don't drink and don't smoke. But there's a line in the argument um, that says, um, I think the line is the whole lyric is, um, it's all about strikes now. So here's what's striking me, how some punk could argue some moral ABCs when people are catching what bombers release. And I just thought it's the ultimate full circle Ian McKay moment where he just goes, yeah, I was a fucking kid. There's more important shit. <laughs> and so wow. I just love that, that they leave on that note of just like, you know, Yeah. He's like he's grown. Everybody, every if, if you're if you're worth a damn, you grow a lot, and you start to realize that things that you thought were important back in the day, maybe not so much, or maybe yeah. you understand how they're not that important to everybody, and that's okay. Um, I'm reading a lot into that lyric, but I've always just really liked it. Um, anyway, argument. Their last album from 2001. It came out the same day, also as as the Furniture EP, which was another. Fugazi released it had like three mm. or four I think three songs on it um, so you went to the record store you had to buy both because it was just fucking <laughs> Fugazi um, but this album came out and I, I think for the entire rest of the year it was the only album that I listened to in 2001 because I was just so because I would listen to it and then an, another song would all of a sudden reveal itself and go oh this is fucking great and so it was like every listen I got something new out of it um, and they had a second drummer on a few tracks and then I saw them on the tour for this album and they had the second drummer the whole show, um, which added an interesting dynamic. But unfortunately, around that time, it seemed to be almost a fad for bands to have two drummers because there were mm. so many bands that I would see and be like, oh, here's another fucking two drummer band. Like, that's <laughs> just way too much shit. But Fugazi pulled it off, and Fugazi were just a fucking amazing live show. Um, and I'm just glad I got to see them because it was it was a blast. And I and I remember that the venue um, that I saw them in, there was the stage, and then there was the all you know the standing room, and then off to the side they had these little bleachers, 
And we got there early enough to where we just went to the top of the bleachers and literally just stood above everybody <laughs> watching Fugazi. And I'm just like, this is the way to do it. I don't got to deal with these fucks down there. I get a clear view of Fugazi. Nobody's bothering me. Um, it was a, it was a great show. Nice. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I love this album. Um, and, uh, I feel like, um, it, it, oh, it's, it's interesting because it, I, I like the fact that this album has those songs that took a little bit for me to get into. Right. And then, and, but then they have those ones like Epic Problem and O oh, and, and X Spectator that are just fucking bangers, absolute mm. bangers. And absolutely totally love them. And I just love the fact that, that, that this album is so good and you go back and listen to it and it still feels so strong because that's where they left off. They literally mm. put out arguably the most well-crafted and mature album that they'd ever done. And then they called it quits. Well, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not putting it back because I, you know, there's that thing of like putting Fugazi on a pedestal, like, Oh, they're never going to get back together. Flash forward to when they actually do. And I'll be like, <laughs> you know, eating my, what do they call that? Eating crow or whatever. I don't know what that's, what the word yeah, is. Something like that. Anyway, the argument is is fantastic um, from a band that just put out a shitload of fantastic albums, which is why there's four albums <laughs> in front of the argument. So let's we can we can move on. Cool. So my uh, number four is now the this top four moved around a bit. Uh huh. Like this one was a little higher until, of course, I gave you know a few more listens and I. You know, I was. It, it, I had a kind of thing where this time I tried to. I think I subconsciously tried to do a little bit of what you do and be a little bit more, as objective as you are subjective. Me, I'm more yeah. of a gut feeling kind of guy when it comes to my rankings. Mm-hmm. But my number four is steady diet and nothing. Yeah, and. This feels like the dark horse of their albums. Because, you know, it's perhaps not their most recognized album, but it's damn good, you know? Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. And that, that's why I felt as though it kind of it needs that middle point, you know? Yeah. It's that one where I think it's really good, but it has a thing and it does its thing, you know? Um, but again, this is Fugazi, so said thing is still really cool and out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Exit Only opens like a swarm of bees before going into this tasty plodding riff. Uh, Reclamation, love that bass oh. underneath the strumming. Like, yeah, man. That, that see, oh, see the, the thing that, about Reclamation is probably my favorite Fugazi song, but Ooh. a thing to point out is that as a young person, as a, as a teenager, when I first got into them and also I I started playing guitar around 94. Um, and I learned to play guitar playing Nirvana riffs and other things like that. But getting into Fugazi, all of a sudden I was like hearing guitar used in a very different way. A lot of times using noise in a very different way. And the thing that I love about, a song like Reclamation is that learning to play it on guitar, simple as fuck. It's literally just the octave. 
But underneath that, you got that. It's like fucking killer fucking baseline under that. And just like the, 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 they would do those things in a whole lot of songs where a guitar part, I would learn the guitar part. And then of course, later on, whatever, technique they were doing or whatever like combination of notes i would take things and then make them i would turn them into my songs because i for the, in the early 2000s that's all i wanted i wanted to find people that because there was no there was no metal scene i had given up on that idea hmm. but i was like well if i could find people that want to be in fugazi <laughs> which i never really could there was always like maybe one person in the band that i was in that kind of we we connected on but it never made it that way but i always looked at guys like Fugazi, I'm like, these. how do these four guys find each other? Because I want to find people where if I come up with a riff where I go, your idea is, you know, it's like, where where's that come from? It's fucking genius. Anyway, yeah. That's that's something I try and apply to my, you know, songwriting. You know, we're working on some stuff. But because we're a three-piece, Sage, by the way. Sage. That's the band I'm in. We're... We're a pretty big deal. <laughs> no, it's, uh, we try to do the most with a three-piece band that we can. You know, we yeah. have myself on drums, backing vocals if there's a mic there. Uh, we have a bass player, and we have you know a frontman who plays guitar and sings, yeah, rhythm and lead. So we're always trying to think, you know. This this guitar is playing one thing, mm-hmm. so the bass guitar is going to play something completely different, and they'll complement each other. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's a big thing. I think some bands forget. You know, some bands will just be like, "Here's the riff, bass does that an octave lower." Yeah. Whereas you know, sometimes it's so cool to have something like Reclamation, where the guitar is doing something simple but texture yeah. building. Mm-hmm. And the well, the bass is just doing some yeah. filth, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, also, nice. the, the, also the thing that you have to that, like for songwriters out there, when you add that variety, where there's a there's a there's a um, I don't know a different uh, color being used with if you have two guitars the two guitars are playing something different if there's a bass the bass is doing something a little different but they all go together you know in the same key and with similar notes but when you do that kind of stuff then you have another secret weapon which is where occasionally if you do all lock in together playing the same thing it's fucking massive so it's like so it's almost like you're you're doing yourself a disservice by always locking in because it's like well Mm -hmm. then you have nowhere to go and, and, you yeah. know, it's like, but if you, but if you're ex- expanding things, then when things come together, it just sounds so fucking great. And Fugazi had mm. had times where they did that too, where things would just come right together. And um, yeah, anyway, <laughs> that, <laughs> it's, great that shit. Is, it's true though. You know, it, there is that thing of you, you, you get that build, that dynamic anticipation where you've got like, oh, they're both doing something different. They're both doing something different. Boom! Everybody's locked in, yeah. and it just sounds. You think, oh, where did where did that come from? Love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so uh, nice new outfit has a yeah. great feel to it. Um, Stacks loving the layered guitars in this. They all, yeah. they really began to expand the layering on this album. Um, yeah. 
Latin Roots. Great oh, use. Of, I just great love that. Use of the <laughs> yeah. And the other the other guitars doing like, but the other yeah. guitars does that does that little stop. It's fucking great. Anyway. It's, it's, I love yeah, I like, love I love the that's another thing Fugazi was really big. <laughs> They're not the only band, but like I guess Helmet would be one early on for me where the idea of empty space I yeah. was like, oh, it just it just adds so much to the I once I once uh, saw a quote from the bass player of Radiohead, who's also a really great bass player. Mm. And he said he I, I believe this was his quote. And he said um, to me, being a good bass player is knowing when not to play. And I'm like, yes. yeah. <laughs> and I think that, I don't think that just stops at bass. I think that stops everywhere. Sometimes you got to know when to not do anything and when to come in. So I'm very Hell excited yeah, about man. talking about this band, by the way. Yes. So yeah. you know, <laughs> nobody could tell. <laughs> I'd never have guessed. <laughs> but yeah, it, like I say, Latin Roots, just a great use of the stereo field. A lot yeah. of really cool panning going on. Super cool. Steady Diet is you know you know kind of a half title track is uh yeah. this gnarly driving weirdness long division laid back short and sweet track runaway return sounds like helmet if they went down more of a rock route than their metallic kind of sound that's yeah. something that popped up a lot i mean you could argue that helmet has a lot of qualities of post hardcore going on the, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, they got more metallic as they went on, but like early on, like they, they were, they're absolutely part of that family of bands. Yeah. You got Polish, really cool song. Vibes are off the chart, rocking. Dear Justice Letter, like I say, that like this album shows off that further maturity of their sound from their first two albums, uh, yeah. definitely developing their own sound, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, Kyo, is it? Kyo? It's K Y E O. It stands for "Keep Your Eyes Open." Ah, sorry, because he uh, says that in the song. Open. Keep your eyes open. That that's the one. Sorry, I yeah. I flubbed that. But um, great closer, great closer to that. Great album. closer. Um, but yeah, like I say, it's the dark horse of their discography. It's a sleeper hit. You're it, gonna be satisfied if you listen to it, but it's like it's unlikely to appear in a list. At at the top, you know? Yeah. So this, this is also my number four. So it's interesting how like, you know, I've known them for so many years, you're just getting in and we're so locked in on a lot of things. But, um, I have to admit though, that this, this is probably my number two go-to Fugazi album, but in me trying to like, think about the albums as a whole and, and do that thing, like you said, where I'm half subjective, half objective. Um, (laughs) It, this ended up at number four because I think this is great. And it's to me, their most underrated album. Um, I think it does. The people that love it, give it a lot of love, but I think it is one of those ones that um, fans that aren't like crazy about them. This isn't one that a lot of people talk about, but like I said, reclamation, one of my favorite Fugazi songs. I also love Latin roots. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, like a lot of their albums, it's not going to connect with everyone. Uh, but there's something about this album there where the energy almost feels kind of forward thinking. And that whole vibe yeah. just makes me really enjoy this album where it really does feel like a band almost progressing faster than they're expecting to progress. And so it's, yeah. um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's really, it's a really 
it's a really great album. And, and, and to me, the one thing about steady diet is that like a lot of Fugazi stuff and especially this album, I know it, it, to some people, it probably doesn't make any sense, but I hear some of the, some albums and I just think to myself, this music sounds important. Like yeah. that's, that's the word I, that comes up important. And, um, that's where steady diet, you know, lies for me. Um, it, it is one, I think the band themselves, this is the one that they're the most critical of. And I think it's only because it was the first one I think they produced themselves. And yeah, so they the, didn't mi- have the mix producer. didn't, yeah, it didn't turn out. Well, they had, they had, uh, uh, the engineer that they worked with for almost all their albums. And so they had that guy, you know, there to fall back on. But I think this is the first one where they were calling all the shots and, I think in the end, they just they felt like it wasn't as strong as it could be. But I like the sound of this album. Um, but, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like I said, it is <laughs> it is probably my second of, of like my absolute go to Fugazi albums. But um, I think overall they did three better albums. And so that's we can move on to, to number three. Cool. So, I mean, th- this top three could change any day of the week um but for my number three i went for repeater okay so um the thing that re- i really love about this album um much like 13 songs which mm-hmm. i haven't talked about yet but uh there is a there is a real grungy vibe to these first couple albums and I fucking love the sonic qualities of that, you know? Yeah. I absolutely love that, like, really early, like, well, late 80s, very early 90s grunge-style production. Um, and I'm going to jump into the tracks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Turnover, mm-hmm. that really fun, grungy bass line, cool rocking stuff which leads directly into repeater which is this noisy ass title track very upbeat with some very interesting sonic qualities with that lo-fi drum beat the mixture of clean and distorted guitars is something i absolutely adore yeah and you know satisfyingly shouted vocals um Oh yeah, you can't that that you being in a crowd. One, two, three, repeat art. Just being in the crowd for that, yeah, it's fucking great. Hell yeah, I uh, Brendan one. Like I'm loving how the bass drives this album. Um, oh fuck yeah! If you go, yeah. going back to fucking turnover, I'm all like, I don't even remember the guitar parts of that. When I when I think of turnover, it's all bass line. It's all boom 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 And then when you get to the end, it's that It's like, you know, it's like uh it's weird. Like that that's that's the kind of bass player he is that sometimes you are paying more attention to him than the guitars. I found myself doing that a lot during this, you know, listening through this whole discography. Um merchandise is an absolute tune. Great driving rocking song. Blueprint is this drony, grungy punkiness. Uh, Civ Fisted Find mm. is an up tempo pounding rocker. Yeah. Reed, I like the stops in this song. 
like some really yeah. cheeky stuff going on musically. They're very, yeah. very tight, very locked in, know exactly what they're doing, but it always feels like, what's happening? What's going to happen next? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two beats off, great groove. Styrofoam has this bouncy bass and vibey guitars and shouty vocals again. Really cool. Yeah. Uh, Reprovisional, cool instrumental layers going on here. Shut the door is this slow grooving vibed out closing track. This is a also great also album. you you listen to it as that's the last track. Oh it, well, here's the thing, right? I know that there is repeater plus three songs. Plus three songs, yeah. And I thought plus three songs was like a reissue. It is. Yeah. So yeah, and I so I decided it's because. Only- because I was going to make the point when I do talk about Repeater that Shut the Door is such a great closer. And the the three songs that they tacked on that a lot of people know that's the album, those songs to me sound like older Fugazi. They don't fit mm. on that album. So I, yeah. I like the vinyl version I have, it ends with Shut the Door. And that's that's just the, the way that album closes. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I... I I, I went for the original track list because I, yeah. I, I knew I didn't want us to be comparing a different version. So I was like, yeah. I know that he's going to go for the original. So, yep. yeah, I'm, I'm playing along. Um, but yeah, Repeater, my number three. I will say as well, uh, one quick thing. Artwork-wise, I absolutely love that like early 90s font. Like just that really big bold, but it's it's very distinctive. It's got mm-hmm. that you know, it's got. I, I don't know what font it is, but it's one of those. It's kind of like a skinnier version of the Faith No More, real thing. Introduce yourself thing, and uh-huh. I just always love that sort of that bold thing. It's kind of ambiguous stylistically. You could tack it on something very punky or something heavy. There's just something about that era that I really enjoy. It's just yeah. the, the imagery of, of that time. But yeah, that's, Sweet. that's number three for me. Well, th- this is where, this is where we diverge. And, um, cause my number three is red medicine from 1995. Ah, um, so coming from, you know, in on the kill taker, red medicine is more experimental. But I think because it's followed by end hits, which is very experimental, Red Medicine has like kind of come back to me as like, oh, well, this is <laughs> it's just a little bit experimental. Um, and um, production wise and everything, it feels like it's a little less urgent. But mm. I think in its own way, it's it has its own potency to it. The more that you listen to it, um, Red Medicine was a really big deal. Because when I got really into Fugazi, Red Medicine was currently the new album. Um, In Hits hadn't come out yet. And um, listening to it, like I was talking about earlier, about hearing guitar work and stuff, Red Medicine like really opened my mind as a musician and a songwriter just because of the different things that they were doing on that album. And um, I started my first band around this time in 1995 and couldn't write anything anywhere near what they were doing. <laughs> but I always kind of brought with me a, a thing where 
when I would write things, I would try to come up with with odd ways to do things, which, you know, now looking back on it, none of it was odd at all. But to me, it was it was my, I was trying to channel um, the unusual aspects of red medicine in stuff that I wrote. Um, it was just, you know, by a fucking amateur novice, you know, um, <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, there's so many great songs on here. I'm uh, birthday pony and target are probably two of my favorites. The, the riff and target, there's a weird thing with, I don't know if, I guess the riff isn't necessarily this, but I, for some reason I like riffs that are kind of, that feel kind of circular. I don't know why they're very pleasing to me. Um, because the riff to that song is that ding 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 dong ding 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 dong ding 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 dong ding 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 dong and it's got a very like feels very circular to me and and I've always really liked that and I don't know why but there are a lot of like heavy riffs that begin and end on the same note that one doesn't but things like that for some reason I go oh it's so great and I don't know why I don't know why it that that the connection does something for me um but I have to say that musically speaking, especially now talking about this album 25 years later, plus um, in 1995, alternative music wasn't alternative anymore. Um, it was mainstream music and a lot of it was being very, um, I don't know, commercialized isn't really the right word because I don't, I have no problem with music reaching a broad audience, but I feel like bands that were alternative bands were making music that was more straightforward. Whereas red medicine to me feels like an actual alternative album. Um, yeah. That came out in 1995. So if like not, not the, not the genre alternative, but the idea of it being rock music that is an alternative to what is going on. And yeah. I love that about red medicine, legit alternative music. Um, and probably my favorite moment of this album is the song by you, uh, because it's one of the only two or three times where Joe Lally is the lead vocalist. Mm. And I even wrote a note like I thought you would write. And so I wrote by you a noisy groover. And yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what I love about by you is that it's to me, it feels like nothing they had done. Cause it's so it's layered and it's big and it's groovy and it's just got this vibe. And then you have Joe Lally's vocals, which is more understated in the song. Mm. And that is just one that has grown so much over the years as one that I just fucking love. Um, anyway. Yeah. My number three, red medicine. Awesome source. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so, my num- excuse me, my okay. throat decided to abort mission there for a second. <laughs> uh, so my number two is in on the kill taker. All right, cool. Uh, this album feels like they're at the point where they're like, oh, so this is what we can sound like. Cool, like they're yeah. they're creativity i would say this is from a strength and creativity perspective both are on high throughout yeah like yeah it is you know to quote you unfuckwithable 
there oh, is yeah. just yeah. there is <laughs> there's just a level of quality on this one. Like I was taken aback by like how many things caught me off guard. And you know, this is four albums in. Yeah. Oh, did and you did you listen to them in order when you did it? I I did. I did nice. listen to okay. them chron- chronologically cuz sorry, with a band like this, it's I just felt like the right way to do it. Yeah. Because you get this rapid evolution uh, from like grungy punk, experimental grungy punk, layered punk and alt stuff, and then you get this, which is just like, let's take everything we have and make it all killer. Um, so you get facet squared. The layered complexity of their songwriting right out of the gate is just boom. Yeah. Like, and I can understand how, like, you know, at the time, what what year would it have been when you heard this album? Like, uh, 96. 96. At the time, like, hearing this was, I can imagine being like, okay, I've yeah. never heard that, you know? Yeah. Uh, Public Witness program is very punky. Very oh, short, man. very yeah. fun. Uh, Returning the Screw is this slow, boiling track. Really cool vibe going on there. Mm, yep. Smallpox Champion. It's just this yelly, heavy rocking song. Mm-hmm. Rend It. Ooh, left turn much? You know, the, there's... That That yeah. one has has that moment. Um, it's uh, it, it's because it's it, it fakes you out because it comes in yeah. with that... And then it stops and he does that, why don't you come to my house? Like that part. I'm just yeah. like, oh, it's so fucking good. And then he does <laughs> yeah. the entire first like few lines with no music underneath him at all. And then it comes in real gentle. And I'm just like, yeah, ah, it's fucking great. Yeah. That was like one of those moments where I was like, ready to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's this? Um, 23 beats off. Feels mm. like one of the weirder Nirvana tracks. Like that that's the kind of vibe I got off that song. Sure. Uh sweet and low. Their bass lines are always top tier. Very mm-hmm. melodic stuff. Uh Casavet Casavete, is that the one? Yeah. Casavetes. Yeah, that's the one. All I've got for this note is just shut up. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. And once yeah. once again, the guitars are just doing and it sounds so fucking cool but it doesn't yeah. take any like your 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 fucking guitar snob would be like it's not hard to play that I'm like they're not doing it because it's hard it sounds it fucking awesome be. yeah <laughs> it's it's like it's like one of those things that's like so simple but always satisfying it's like you know for me super easy way to get me on your side is just do a dive bomb just do a dive <laughs> bomb on a Floyd yeah. Rose Whee! <laughs> you son of a bitch I'm in uh, <laughs> uh, Great Cop is another short punky oh, one shit, yeah Walking Syndrome starts with this took this is one of those moments where I was like I had to like really squint my ears to you know I, I guess you'd say because the, the song starts with guitar noises that mm sound like noises Mike Patton can do with his voice. And yeah. I was like, is it? Oh, wait, 
Is that a voice or is it a guitar? So like look, the noise stuff that they uh, bring in as well. It's like that's really cool. Yeah. And it's like a lot of this stuff, like especially like when you get into like noise territory with like guitars and stuff, super hard to do that shit twice. Like because yeah. it just kind of happens, you know. Um, last chance for a slow dance. Awesome closer. Yeah. Like I say, this this to me is where I think their creativity and vision kind of peaked. Mm-hmm. Um, because like the albums after it, they are more experimental but feel a little less cohesive. So, yeah, I almost feel like their their trajectory is like they start and then they're going up and up and up and then after in on the kilt taker they go out. It's yes. like it's kind of like that's where that's kind of how yeah. that, I mean it just feels like that for me. Um that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I mean and and that, and that that um is not my number 2. <laughs> so <laughs> um my number 2 is repeater or in your country repeater. Repeater. Um um, from oh. 1990. Check out this album, repeater. <laughs> I pull. Um, okay. Ringo gave me this album. <laughs> <laughs> um, so repeater's the first actual full-length Fugazi album. Um, and I'm the three songs was added later, which three songs are fine. They just don't belong on this album for me. Um, so, and it and it on honestly, it feels like the first proper fugazi album because Hmm. um so like the beginning of fugazi if you listen to the first half of 13 songs the first ep um gi picciotto doesn't play guitar um Hmm. he was initially brought in to almost be like a chuck uh, like a flavor flav which is why like you know like like, which is like in (laughs) in waiting room he does like you know come on and get up like he does that kind of stuff in it like he was almost the guy that was there because he's fucking his energy is fucking insane on stage. Yeah, and so he was the guy that was there and he sang a couple songs and then he didn't he didn't play guitar. Um, and I'm not sure if he played guitar on Margin Walker, but finally with Repeater, they're a four piece band with two guitar players and all of them coming in with songwriting as opposed to just Ian kind of driving what's going on. So Repeater to me feels like the most the first legit Fugazi album, and it's an absolute classic. This is one of those that um, I remember bef- the probably the first time I ever heard the name Fugazi was once in like 91, 92. All of a sudden, alternative bands started coming on MTV because I, I didn't know who the fuck Fugazi were because I was a fu- I was young and I was like an MTV kid. I didn't know underground <laughs> shit, but. As soon as bands like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and all these other bands became popular, you would yeah. randomly hear the name Fugazi said. And I feel like Repeater was the album that a lot of them were like really crazy about. And and I and I absolutely get it. I would call this the best entry point. So those of you out there, if you've made it this long into this episode and you don't really know Fugazi, I'd say Repeater is the is a nice way to start. Um, yeah. It's got so many classic songs, Blueprint, Merchandise, Styrofoam. Um, those also sound like very 90s uh, song titles, so I love that. Yeah. Um, but uh, musically, it's also another very influential album for me. Um, the, 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 three, the three albums, you know, Repeater, and the Kill Taker, Red Medicine, those are three super important albums for me as a musician and a songwriter. Um, 
But I really think that Repeater, when it comes to the early stages of that driven Fugazi sound, like they're just they they they're just letting this machine take them, um, and, you know what they've stumbled upon. And I think Repeater is the best example of that. And um, um, the, and the, for when it comes to um, shut the door. If you ever get a chance, I don't know where you can find it over in your, in, in your country, but the documentary instrument is really cool because it's not like a normal documentary where the band sit down and somebody sits down and says, here's the history of the band. Let's talk about the band. It's not like that at all. It almost gives you a retrospective kind of thing without actually having any talking heads whatsoever. Mm. Some of it is just like indie television interviews live performances there's studio footage especially from red medicine and in hits and stuff but it, it begins with them doing a live performance at a show of of uh, shut the door and you watch those guys play together and them vibing off of each other there's a really great moment where the song is done like verse chorus whatever and then it just goes into a, um, a, 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 a quiet part where it's just the drums and the bass doing a do, 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 that part. And Ian McKay and Guy Picciotto, without even looking at each other, both start doing the same movement at the same time. And they kind of glance at each other and they do these random hits where there's nothing happening and they all go. And then it gets quiet again. But the fact that they're so on with exactly when this is going to happen. And I don't know, maybe they had it planned out, but the way that it feels, it's like they're just looking at each other and in their brains are going to each other. Three, two. And like, you know, like, and it's just like one of those performances where I just like the song goes a way up a few levels for me seeing that because just watching these guys like one of the best bands ever and just in the fucking pocket. And I'm just, you know it's baffling to me. And it's all, that was like the, the gold standard of like, if I could ever be in a band that worked that well, I, I would, I, I don't care. Any level of success is fine. If I could feel that feeling, which I never did, never was in a band that felt like that. (laughs) But if I could get that feeling, that would be insane. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's a, that's a great song. Great ending to the album. Um, I really feel like the the three songs part, it feels like music they had already matured way past. And so it kind of, it ends on like, well, these are cool songs, but shut the door. So great that that's kind of what you should shut the door on the album right there. (laughs) Um, That's my number two. Repeat. Nice. Which leaves me with my number one, Uh which is 13 songs. Yep. And you know, I, like I said, these top three or four jump around a lot, but I went with my gut instinct and my mm-hmm. ears just love that late 80s, early 90s production vibe. Yeah. And, you know, pair that with the songwriting on this and you get a really cool borderline grunge punk album. And it's like, I fucking love how it sounds from start to finish. Yeah, yeah. Waiting, waiting room goes without saying. I mean, it's a classic. That is most. Most people know that one, but that's also a song that 
you know, in the circles that I ran in, if you were at a bar and somebody put on waiting room, the first line, you know, I am a patient boy. The entire bar goes, oh, wait, oh, wait, oh, like everybody. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Bartenders, everybody does that part of the song and, and everybody's moving. It's just literally like, stop what you're doing. Waiting room's on. Everybody is going to sing this part <laughs> of the song. And that was always just cool to me because I'm just like, oh, I love it. I love feeling like everybody, everybody knows that this is cool shit too. <laughs> yeah. it It's one of those like, albums where i just think it, it, every song had a moment for me like you know bulldog yeah. front yeah shouty vocals are fun aren't they <laughs> like <laughs> yeah uh bad mouth the chord sequences here feel i mean obviously they were a very innovative band but like the chord sequences feel very ahead of their time for 1989 like oh yeah but bad mouth feels like a song that could come out in 96 and be huge um burning dude this is one of those times where i'm right i'm writing this i'm sat thinking to myself dude where has this been like or, <laughs> yeah or, or rather like where I have i been going yeah yeah no, it's no, it's like rad. there's no there's no wrong time to get into something like fugazi it just ha- it just happens however however your life has turned out you yeah. know you you get you get turned on to shit at some point so it's i it's this makes me happy that you just enjoyed it this much yeah, man. Like, give me the cure. It's oh, love, love the I explosive. Love that song. Love the explosive ending to that one. Uh, suggestion, super cool, laid back riffage. Yeah, Glue Man, wild chugging. So, glue, so glue Man is the beginning of Margin Walker. To, well, He's no, excited. No, glue, no, no. Never mind. <laughs> never mind. Glue Man is the end of of uh, of the first EP, and Mar- the next one is the start of Margin Walker. Because I always really loved. The uh, because glue, yeah, glue man is like real chaotic sounding song, but I always just loved the really abrupt ending to suggestion because the song is all about like men objectifying women and about Mm -hmm. how they they did not they they don't they even says it in the song, you know, did nothing to deserve it, where it's just like she's just walking down the street, but she has to fucking worry about men, um, yeah, and then, um. The very last, the way the song plays out, um, he, he does that line where he goes, uh, um, we blame her for being there. And then you hear him quietly go, um, uh, but we're all here and we're all guilty. And then like, and it stops like really abruptly. And I, I, yeah. that's like, like the way that they stop it, almost like it's a mistake that it was that abrupt. But I'm always just like, I'm sorry if I blew out anybody's anybody's ears <laughs> but i i absolutely love that part of just that ending to the song because i'm just like it seems so much more meaningful that it just gets abruptly cut off right there so yeah yeah no it's really cool dude uh margin walker it's more cool stuff like again like i say and the same is has a groovy baseline burning two spelled with you know two o's which that's a good that's uh, yeah. a nice groover that song yeah and like i say there's parts of this that sound helmet-esque you know to my virgin fugazi ears yeah. um you know me likey uh, provisional is very alt rock lockdown feels like it's going to come off the rails at any minute in a good way uh yeah and promises is this jammy 
cool closing track. Love the grungy vibe of this album. Like I say, had this come from Seattle, it would be a grunge classic. Um, I just, you know, there's a, you know, a punk deep dive for me that's long overdue. And I feel like this is the catalyst for me doing that because there's so much cool, weird, but in a in a cool way stuff in this discography alone yeah yeah it's it well i mean it it it, it's it's happened in various times and in various you know countries as well because like fugazi what they were doing was you know different but there was also elements of what they were doing that had been done 10 years prior with gang of four in, in yep. England. So if you go back and listen to some gang of four, that shit sounds like revolutionary in what they were doing. Um, mm. but then there were other bands in the eighties. Um, mission of Burma is a really good example where mission of Burma is a band that were doing shit. I don't even think that they knew that it was, that it was mind blowing because they had a, they had a thing where they, they fucked around with like noise tape loops in their songs and it'd be just weird, random noises and shit in their music that, like, I don't think anybody had done that shit before. Mm. Um, so it's just like one of those things where I almost feel like Fugazi is the band that, because they're they're more they're they're pretty well known. But I feel like that's a really good step, and then you just kind of follow, like, well, who were the bands that they were influenced by? or whatever and it kind of leads you down this path of all this music that sure it falls under like maybe the punk umbrella but it's to me it's way more interesting than the ramones or anything like that which i love the ramones but you know what i'm saying it's like it's all it's all post-punk post-hardcore if you put the word post before it most of the time yeah. i'm like oh this should be interesting yeah <laughs> <laughs> cool so that leaves your number one. All right. All right. Get ready, everybody. I'm, I'm, this is going to be, I'm probably going to lose my shit here talking about this album. Um, no number idea one Fugazi what this album, is going to be. In on the Kill Taker <laughs> from 1993. So like I said, you, you know, teenager in the back room at Best Buy, I put this tape in and I hear Facet Squared. And it's literally almost, it has just as much importance to me as when i heard smells like teen spirit like wow like you know not as anthemic well i guess it is facet squared is pretty anthemic but just the you know hearing nirvana for the first time as a person that wanted to play music they kind of led me in this way of like oh so i i love all of this big grand metal music with these virtuosos but i don't have to do that and there's these people that are doing this other stuff and it, you know, it led me down that path. But then hearing Facet Squared, that was almost like another awakening of like just how potent and powerful and just the fucking riff at the beginning. Because it starts off with like a cool bass line, just kind of like a the, the, the little the little feedback being turned on and off. But then once that ding, 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 once that riff kicks in. Yeah, it's I, I, it gives me chills every fucking time I hear it. it gives me a rush of adrenaline. And honestly, the rush of adrenaline I feel when that song starts, it does not end until the album ends for me. Hmm. Um, so totally was a life changer for me, musically speaking. Um, it's easily the most aggressive Fugazi album. So if you're 
I almost feel like, you know, if you're a metalhead, maybe start with in on the kill taker because it's the most aggressive that they did. Um, but uh, doesn't mean you're probably, you know, you probably already <laughs> turned this off if you're not open to this kind of stuff. But this is All really that punk just shit sucks. Belongs on fucking Mars, man. <laughs> <laughs> and Madonna can go to hell as far as I'm concerned. She's, She's a, a dick. dick. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, this album is just banger after banger. One of the best albums ever made, in my opinion. Um, and on top of that, the, re- the reason why I love this is because it's got things that are Fugazi, that, like Fugazi would do. But I feel like some of the songs are the most, some of the most powerful songs they ever wrote. Returning the Screw, um, um, Rend It, 23 Beats Off, Great Cop. These are all songs that like, Lyrically speaking, and just the overall sound of them, especially like 23 Beats Off, that is a fucking heartbreaking song because it's literally all about somebody dying of AIDS and then their life just equating to a statistic. And mm-hmm. and then the way that the song ends with almost like two or three minutes of just fucking feedback is like, you know, and I'm just like, it's almost like the flat line kind of sound at the end of it. And I'm just like, it's so yeah. fucking powerful. Um, and then, of course, Great Cop is like, it, th- that's another like adrenaline rush for me, just because it's one of those things that, th- that always baffles me that, and I know that like, it's different for a lot, for everyone. Everyone has their different experiences, but I grew up and have lived 40 almost 45 years and most of my experience with police officers is bad they were mostly bad people and not there to protect and serve they're there to be an authority figure and to enjoy having power and um, protect the interests of capital and whatnot or whatever. It's just, yeah. but great cop. I love it because it's such a, it's such a good release of that anger, but it's not very long and the lyrics aren't very complicated, but, um, and honestly, like the way that it's the way that it's worded, it's not, it could, you know, you could interpret it as a cop, but it's not really about a cop because the, the chorus is it's, you'd make a great cop. And it's mm. like, well, so it's like a person like that um, that's just in somebody's face trying to dictate what they do or, you know. Respect my um, authority. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I just love that. I love that. And then, I don't know, there's just, and then there's the songs that are just full on jams like Public Witness Program and Smallpox Champion. Um, like this is like a top 10 of all time album for me. Um which, which is interesting because I've done things about my top 10 favorite albums and I didn't talk about this album. And it's only because when I first started doing my podcast and my channel, I felt nervous mm. because at first I'm like, I'm just going to stick to hard rock and heavy metal because the last thing I wanted was like shit talking from people, which I ended up getting it anyway. But <laughs> um, I just I honed everything I was doing in on just straightforward hard rock metal things that fall in fall into that and then fugazi doesn't fall into that although a lot of things that they do you could equate to hard rock music but um 
I would say like it's so it's long overdue for me to do like a legit top 10 albums where I actually include things that aren't necessarily rock and metal because there are yeah other kinds of music and things that I love that and and on the kill taker is a top 10 desert island album um it's fucking perfect and I love I love the way that it sounds it, it always it's interesting because they they recorded the album twice because they recorded it first with Steve Albini, who did In mm. Utero and uh, other albums, and they didn't like how it sounded. So they recorded it again with a guy that they had already been working with. Um, and um, and I'm just like, you, know, you, you can hear, I think you can hear that version if you just look it up on the internet. It's out there to uh. listen to. Um, it, I, to me, it doesn't sound as good, but... Um, Sometimes I listen to like little bits of that and I go, would it have, would it have had the same effect on me, that version of it as this one did? Um, mm. Luckily, I don't have to worry about that because um, this is the version that we have. And come to, come to think of like d- different versions of stuff, like very recently, just to, you know, mm-hmm. while it's on my mind, uh-huh. I managed to score a, an original, uh, is it still in the stack or have I moved it? I think I've moved it. But um, I managed to, at a uh, small rock festival I played, I say small, it was, it was, it was pretty fun, mm-hmm. uh, Drunk, Drunken Monkey Festival in, in Worcester. It's really fun. Real, real fun to, real honor for our second gig to be at a festival, you know? Yeah. Um, but I there was a record stall and I managed to get a CD of Cryptic Writings by Megadeth, the original oh, version. Yeah. And and I just thought to myself, I can't not leave with that. Not when it's yeah. only three quid. So what I you know, I've been listening because I'll be honest, I heard the remasters first. Yeah. And it never bothered me before. But now I've been going back and revisiting the original versions. Yeah. It's fucking night and day. Like, it's fun having the spines of the CDs come together to make one big Vic Rattlehead face. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm not going to lie. The original mix of Cryptic Writings is some cool shit. Like, there's so yeah. much going on that's not there in the remaster. The, I mean, the original, uh, I love the original mix of Risk. That's one of the only, I mean, I don't have very many CDs, but I have Risk because I'm just like, this is, this is fucking great. And then they f- ruined it. Um, <laughs> and that, that's, that one's the, that one's, that one and, and uh, Rust in Peace are the two that I'm just like, why even fucking, why did they do this? Why did they murder yeah. these albums? But even then, even Countdown to Extinction and Cryptic Writings, the, the drum production on it sounds awful. Like they fucking ruined how the drums sounded. Now, I say mm. they. It's Dave Mustaine. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, I love how like Fugazi. Leave and the album to, alone. <laughs> we got onto uh, that was like a Phil <laughs> Anselmo. Um, we. Uh, I don't know what what happened. It's just like I, I used to do a really good Dave and a really good Phil, and now they've become one person. <laughs> they're Phil Mustaine. Is this? this uh, that sounds gross. <laughs> Dave, Phil Mustaine. <laughs> um. Uh, it's, that's it's funny that we ended up there from Fugazi, but you know that I was done, and we we talked about my number one, so we're done with uh, with Fugazi. Oh shit, which we we haven't done uh, a, a discography in a little bit, so we haven't done this in a while. So let's do it. 
Three, two, one. Yeah, we, we did, did it. it. There it is. Yeah, we did it. There's Bugazi. The, yeah, we did it. I'm very, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very happy that we did this. This was fun. Um, because honestly, like, there's a lot. Like I said, like, I, it wouldn't surprise me if this, if this video doesn't get a lot of views, because there's. There's those bands out there that it seems like tons of people want to talk about. And I'm perfectly happy. I'll talk all day about Metallica, <laughs> even though millions of people do. But Fugazi this, is a band that like I see less about them on the internet. Yeah. This is where like <laughs> this one gets like three million views or some shit. That'd be great. That'd be <laughs> yeah. great. Um maybe yeah, one of those. Top ten anime be, plot twists. <laughs> maybe one of those would be Ian Mackay, and he can uh, maybe I'll, maybe I can interview him at some point. I'd be really nervous uh, about that because Ian Mackay um, seems like a nice like, dude, but he see, but he do, he does have qualities that make me feel like I feel about Mike Patton, where I feel like I might be too dumb to interview him. Yeah. <laughs> There's. What's that Chris Farley sketch where like where he does Paul McCartney? Yeah. <laughs> Remember when you were in the Beatles? I was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that would that would literally be me with Ian McKay. It'd be like, so, so you were in Fugazi, right? It's cool. <laughs> um, so I wouldn't do that. Although, like, although, like, I hear people that you know when you go through DC, like, you can actually go to like. There's a really famous house that Ian, I think, still lives in, or maybe. It's he just runs. I don't know if he runs Discord out of it. I don't know how it works, but it's a house that like you. you, you have you seen those pictures of Minor Threat sitting on the stairs, and then people recreate those with different things. Yeah. That house is a house you can still go visit. Holy um, shit! But I, but I, but you but you obviously have to know Ian or contact Ian and ask to come, and he'll give you a tour, and he'll. Apparently We're not mental or anything. <laughs> yeah, but apparently he'll like he'll make you tea and like you know come you know come give you a tour. Uh, I would even be nervous about that. What a cool <laughs> guy. That's really cool though. Yeah, yeah, he seems he seems he seems cool, but he but he really does like seem like a person that's kind of beyond um me, where I would feel, feel like, like I was just m- mortal minds. <laughs> I would just feel very small and insignificant, which is weird because like on a, on a similar note. Somebody they're related because they have been best friends for many years. But Henry Rollins is a person that I greatly respect and admire. But he gives me the vibe that I would feel way more comfortable just walking up to him and be like, Henry, and like, you know, just having a chat with him, even though he is yeah. also a very smart dude. But it's just that thing about certain certain uh, heroes of mine. Some of them really give off the vibe of like, you know, come chat with me. And then other ones you could literally get them on a day where they're just like, what the fuck, what the fuck do you want? <laughs> and yeah. that would just, ru- that would ruin me for the rest of my life. So I probably wouldn't do it anyway. Fugazi. F- Fugazi. Which, which apparently like that's a, that's a military or something from the military that actually is kind of a weird acronym. And I think it's like fucked it? up, fucked up. Got ambushed, zipped in, which means like zipped into a body bag. So it's like what Fuga. But I think the word Fuga, because I think it comes from a book that somebody wrote and they made up the term Fugazi. But then it was, I think it's now been used just to mean a situation that's gotten out of hand and fucked up. Um, like and snafu. unexpectedly. S- situation snafu. normal. 
all fucked up. <laughs> or uh, or yeah. Fubar is another one. Yeah. Fuck, fucked up beyond all recognition. <laughs> anyway. So many good so ones, yeah, man. That was fun. Um, that's all. I don't have anything else. That. We talked a lot. and I'm, I'm going hoarse because I got so excited talking so much about Fugazi. Hey. Um, peanut butter but platypuses yeah. and whatnot. Peanut butter platypuses. That, that in this case, you are the major peanut butter platypuses. I, I salute you all. Um, but uh, next time you see us, we'll be back w- is it, with another ranking, right? Yes, yes. Next time you see us, it'll be another band ranking. Um, I I did the salute wrong. Hold on. Oh, is that what it is? Well, in it, the British salute is different to oh, the I, American I, I kinda, salute. I kind of like that better. Yeah, ours is. Ours is up and around and then zip down to the right, whereas I think the the American one is and then some I, some I, of the, I, 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 I have don't no idea. Know. That mine was mine was vaguely third third Reich at the end there. I really fucked that one up. <laughs> I, used to, the, 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 I used to do this a lot to people yeah. like back in the day. And it's only because it's only because there's a scene in uh in Clerks where where um Randall has annoyed this this customer to the point where he's trying to fight him. And he was like, he was like I'm, I'm never coming into your gear again. I'm going to break your fucking face. And then Randall just goes, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, that's pretty sweet. For those of you listening at home, it's like a salute with two fingers and a peace sign kind of thing. Um, I've always just said, I always really like that. Anyway. Okay. Nice. We have to wrap this up at some point. Thank you very much for joining us for Cranked and Ranked. We'll see you all again soon. And as usual, I'm going to throw it over to my main, the other half, my other half, my better half in the Cranked and wank, Wanked. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best one I think I've ever seen. <laughs> She's like, crank. That's brilliant. Love the plane. <laughs> Oh. It made sense because I called you my better half and then cranked and wanked because, you know, that, there'd probably be a lot of wanking going on in that marriage. Um, anyway, um, yes, um, the, other, the, the other half, the yin to my yang. <laughs> um, Mr. Eddie Sparks to take us out. Light it down! <laughs>